What were FBI agents looking for in Donald Trump's home? The former U.S. president says the search of his Florida residence is part of a plan to destroy him. But what does this mean for his potential second run for the White House? I'm Mohammed Jamjoum, and you're listening to the Inside Story podcast, where we dissect, analyze, and help define major global stories. All right, let's go ahead and bring in our guests. In Reston, Virginia, Rena Shop, founder and principal of Relax Strategies. She's also a conservative political advisor. In Washington, D.C., Henry Olson, a senior fellow at the Ethics and Public Policy Center and columnist for The Washington Post. He's also the author of The Working Class Republican, Ronald Reagan, and The Return of the Blue-Collar Conservatism. And in London, Julie Norman, associate professor at University College London and co-director of the UCL Center on U.S. Politics. A warm welcome to you all, and thanks so much for joining us today on Inside Story. Julie, let me start with you today, and let's talk for a moment about the significance uh, of all of this. Uh, First of all, is this unprecedented? Has a search warrant ever been executed at the home of a former U.S. president before? And, you know, what kind of evidence would have been needed in order to convince a judge to sign off on a search warrant like this? Sure. So as is widely known by now, this is unprecedented. Justice has investigated presidents before, but uh, never to the extent of a search warrant for a former president. So as you noted, this would have had to have gotten approval from a federal magistrate judge as it did. In order to get a warrant, though, it's just probable cause that a crime was committed. So it doesn't necessarily mean there's firm evidence. It doesn't necessarily mean there's going to be a criminal proceeding. It just means that it's warrant for a search. It should be noted a search warrant is rare in this kind of investigation. This is an investigation around classified documents. Usually these are uh, resolved through negotiations, maybe a subpoena, but a search really is unusual. So the question, of course, is still unknown, at least to the public, of what the FBI was looking for, if they found it, and what the implications will be. And we certainly don't know that just yet. Rena, there has been polling done recently showing that a majority of Republicans did not want Mr. Trump to be the party's nominee in 2024. Before the news of this search at Mar-a-Lago, was there a sense that Republican lawmakers may have been ready to move on from Mr. Trump? Um, And has the fact that this search has happened, has that upended all of that now? Well, in the past few months, I've definitely heard uh, a greater sense than uh, in a very long time that the country may you know, really be looking for something fresh, something new. Uh, but again, it's almost as if uh, we, we don't know where the pendulum is swung entirely. It, for Republicans that I speak to, there are a great many who are still very committed to the Make America Great Again movement who feel that Trump maybe should be given a second look. But there's also a fair amount, whether you're talking about the mid-Atlantic region of Republicans or Western Republicans or even Southern Republicans, there are a fair amount that want to try something new, perhaps in the form of Florida Governor Ron DeSantis. It's hard to tell what will happen now. As Of course, we know in this era, the court of public opinion feels to be the only court that matters. So the political ramifications, particularly in this Republican Party, I think will be quite severe. Will they rally behind Trump and stay there? Um, what will the midterms do? 
Are, are, is there going to be a new energy behind Trump-endorsed candidates who were losing for many weeks? And, and then now we see sort of a resurgence of some. These are all open-ended questions right now because this is such an obviously unprecedented move. Um, it, because no former president has done anything that has warranted such a surge. That's what I like to remind Republicans, is that this has never been warranted. So let's be sort of cautious in the moment about what this really means about the future of the GOP. Henry, uh, based on first impressions, uh, from your vantage point, does this help or hurt Trump? It marginally helps Trump within the Republican Party because there's a large number of people who like him, maybe considering moving on. But now he seems to be in the targets of the of the air quotes, real enemy, uh, the Democrats and the left. So in the short term, this is something that's going to slightly increase Trump's standing within the Republican Party. But it's still a long way to go, and we don't know what's going to come out. I don't think this will have lasting impulse, but certainly it gives Trump a brief bit of momentum that he lacked prior to the raid. Julie, if the FBI doesn't find anything, if nothing from this search sticks to Trump, what's the blowback going to be? And, and how much would that benefit Trump? Well, if nothing comes out of this, I think it will benefit Trump massively. Uh, you know, Trump has really embraced a narrative throughout uh, his uh, his time in office and afterwards of persecution, of grievance, of uh, you know being under a witch hunt with the federal government in general, but especially with justice. And so, this incident plays very much into that narrative, gives him a specific incident and specific optics to point to. And it's one that we've already seen resonating very strongly with many of his supporters, you know, people coming out in Mar-a-Lago on Monday night, already rallying around Trump. And it just puts him back uh, in the center of the narrative in exactly the place he wants to be. And I could see him leveraging this definitely in the short term and really well into a campaign if he so wished. Henry, how strong is Trump's grip on the Republican Party still? Um, and, and what is his record thus far when it comes to the candidates that he's been supporting during the primaries? He's actually uh, turned around his endorsement record. He was looking like he was losing a fair number of them earlier in the primary, but he's had a very good winning streak recently, winning most of his contested endorsements. You know, I think the fair statement right now is that Trump is has the upper hand in the Republican Party, but that there is a substantial number of Republicans who may want to go along with many of Trump-like policies, but do not want to endorse full-throated Trumpism or get behind Trump's candidates. We saw in the Wisconsin primary just last night that the incumbent lieutenant governor lost to a Trump-backed candidate, but got 42 percent. Same thing in Arizona, where an opponent to Trump's endorsed candidate got close to 45 percent. So I'd say the party is divided uh, with Trump's supporters having the upper hand, uh, and that means that there's still an opening for someone to come through and challenge him. But it's still clear that Trump has that slight upper edge within GOP. And Henry, you talked about the, the party being divided. But, but let me ask you, I mean, just how fractured is the Republican Party right now? Uh, against the Democrats, it's not very fractured. The Republican factions may disagree with one another on how far or how fast to move. But against the Democrats, I think you'll see a lot of unity. Uh, but there's going to be a real question whether Trump is somebody who can and should lead the ticket. And that's one that's going to come to a head after the midterm elections. 
Rena, you know, top congressional Republicans have been rushing to defend Mr. Trump after uh, the news broke that uh, that that search warrant was executed. Is this in any way surprising to you? Uh, I want to talk for a moment about the fact that, you know, you have former U.S. Vice President Mike Pence. Uh, He's called on U.S. Attorney General Merrick Garland to give a full accounting to the public of why the search warrant was carried out at Mar-a-Lago. Uh, you know, of course, Mike Pence, it's, it's known that, that he is somebody who was in hiding uh, when, when that uh, invasion of the Capitol happened on January 6th, that you had Trump supporters who wanted to harm him. So the fact that, you know, he has come out and, and put out this statement at a time when there was a lot of speculation that, that, that Pence might run in 2024, and the fact that there are these Republican leaders uh, who privately may be saying they don't support Trump are now publicly defending him. Does that surprise you? It is a bit surprising, even after many years of Trump in office, uh, to watch establishment Republicans, those sitting in Congress right now who are elected members of Congress, elected to a branch that is supposed to check the other branch, be a check on their power, um, completely surround the former president with uh, continued adoration and love and defense of what is sort of his, his way of going about things, his unique style of continuing to engage in uh, hypocritical action and and talk, uh, but the whataboutism as well. It almost feels uh, as if we've entered this new era of politics that we cannot walk back from. We had many weeks of the January 6th select committee within the House uh, tell us uh, that there was well-documented evidence of Trump and, and, and really his egregious actions to try to remain in power, to grab power that was not constitutionally his. Uh, but still, even despite that, this Republican Party does not have to embrace him, and they continue to. So it shows sort of the level of pettiness of some of these elected members of Congress. It, they may be defending themselves. They may be protecting themselves. They know that money is still tied to the Make America Great Again base. So it's, it, it almost leaves anyone who's even a political insider scratching their heads about at what point does the divorce happen between establishment Republicans and the Trump sort of empire that continues to pervade the Republican Party. That, again, is another open-ended question. This is just a time where it's just too quick, it's too early to tell. We have to get past these midterms to know more about what the American electorate really thinks of Trump, and will he be the standard bearer in 2024? Well, Rena, speaking of the midterms, you know, it had been reported uh, that up until the news broke that this search warrant was executed, that, that many Republicans had been privately urging Donald Trump not to announce that he was going to run in 2024 because they thought that might be damaging in the midterm elections for other candidates. Um, Now it seems that there are Republicans that are calling on Trump to actually announce before uh, the midterms because they believe that will help the party. Um, Do you think that this means that Donald Trump will officially enter the presidential race soon? Well, if by help the party, you mean that a former president who, again, was sort of the the standard bearer, not just sort of, he was the elected former president, you know, if by helping him, that means he doesn't go to jail, which would just be, my goodness, uh, absolutely a shock to the system, to the entire country. But no one can be above the law in these United States. I think the actions uh, that we've seen in the past 36 hours uh, particularly tell us that democracy in action is in action here in the United States. It's in motion and it's working. And we are not a banana republic because even if you are now a private citizen who held the highest office in the land, you are subject to the law. And so we have one side of the story right now. That is Trump's version. We have yet to hear why this legal search was conducted on his private 
property in Florida. We will learn more in the coming days that will tell us exactly what this means for uh, a former president. Has he broken a part of our U.S. code that prohibits him from uh, holding office again? This is all very consequential in so many ways. It all hangs in the balance for the future of the Republican Party. Do people want to defend Trump at all costs, or are they willing to say, let him go, like the RNC committee chairwoman herself just alluded to? I believe it was just last week, uh, and if not, it was a few days prior to that, uh, where she said that they would not even pay Trump's legal bills anymore uh, if he were to continue on this path of a potential candidacy. So we are, again, hanging in the balance as uh, myself, a former Republican strategist and, and a longtime registered Republican, but somebody who wishes to see a healthy Republican Party exist. Julie, Democrats are fresh off of some big legislative wins right now. Um, the fact that the focus has now shifted to Trump, uh, does that hurt the Democrats going into the midterms? Well, as you said, this week was probably not the week that Biden and the White House wanted a story like this necessarily, you know, coming off the climate bill win, chips, some other uh, very long-weighted legislation finally coming through. And of course, Trump has just completely flipped uh, the news cycle uh, with, the, with what's happening this week. So from the Democratic point of view, uh, you know, they would like more emphasis on those pieces. But at the same time, you know, many Democrats uh, have been keen to see some legal movement uh, from any of the number of investigations that Trump is currently uh, uh, under. Um, he's expected also to testify today in a separate investigation in New York. So many Democrats have been looking for uh, justice to come down a bit stronger on Trump. As we have said, though, um, you know, I think if there is not anything to show from this, uh, that will blow back on Democrats at the end of the day. And uh, many who are maybe celebrating right now um, are uh, maybe not uh, thinking about some of the repercussions of this uh, in terms of the campaign and the electorate and how this might galvanize Trump. Uh, and, and, and Julie, if we're talking about uh, galvanizing Trump supporters, you know, it's being reported that there is some violent rhetoric uh, that's been appearing on pro-Trump online forums. Is there a lot of concern out there that, that this could all lead to violence at some point? Well, there certainly is concern. And ever since, obviously, January 6th, I think people are taking this kind of rhetoric more seriously than they may have in the past. Uh, a lot of uh, terms and phrases that were being, uh, uh, you know, put on social media, on Twitter, uh, since the news of the search came out, uh, certainly have very aggressive, um, you know, very, very violence-leaning connotations to them. With that said, I think we should always kind of be cautious about not, not jumping to kind of alarmist conclusions with this. Um, you know, people are going to react to this. There are going to be protests. But right now, we have not seen, uh, you know, any kind of uh, extreme expression of violence in reaction to this. Again, Trump himself, I think, will uh, have a lot of sway in how much that side of the rhetoric builds or not. He's obviously encouraged it in the past. Uh, and we can only hope that, uh, that this de-escalates rather than escalates in terms of the violent rhetoric around it. Henry, do you think that as a result of any of these investigations that it might be possible that Mr. Trump could be barred from running again for president? You know, I don't think that there is a legal way to bar him from running for president short of jailing him, that uh, there's a lot of belief that you cannot add to the constitutional requirements for running 
for office, and there are no constitutional requirements saying that somebody under indictment or somebody under suspicion or somebody who's been convicted even cannot run for the presidency. So I think short of securing conviction that's upheld on appeal that has him behind bars, uh, I don't think there's any way that this is going to prevent him from running for office. Convicting him in the impeachment trial would have been the way to do that. Rena, um, we've heard from House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy. Um, he told Attorney General Merrick Garland to preserve your documents and clear your calendar. Uh, and he warned that there would be a probe into all of this when Republicans take back the House in the midterm elections. Now, if Republicans do regain control of the House of Representatives come November, uh, are we going to see Republicans launch a lot of retaliatory investigations? And, and, and what's that going to do? Uh, the country is already so polarized. The political parties are already so polarized. What kind of effect would that have? Well, Republicans have been calling, um, you know, making calls about this January 6th Select Committee in the House that, that did these public hearings for these past many weeks. Uh, they've been saying that that is a, a sort of one-sided uh, sort of investigation that that is purely political and a witch hunt and then it's happening through the u.s house of representatives because of nancy pelosi the speaker so so they've already sort of taken to that line of messaging and and been rather successful with their base uh plotting with that. They fundraised off of it, um, massive amounts. They continue to beat that steady drum of the Democrats are trying to ruin the way, uh, your, your way of life. Uh, they're trying to you know, do things that will will affect your bottom line. Lately, this entire week, uh, the the messaging point has been that the IRS is expanding. They're coming for you. They're hiring upward uh, close to ninety thousand new agents, and they're coming for you, the little guy, because you're a conservative. So, so do not be surprised if you you hear this from congressional Republicans. Of course, the leader uh, McCarthy is is giving away his entire playbook. He wants to exact revenge on Democrats, and he's going to start it from the top down if House Republicans take over this fall. Uh, that will be the first thing they do is hold these kind of hearings because they will say Democrats already did the very same thing. Um, Henry, you know, this certainly is not the first time that uh, former President Trump has been accused of mishandling classified materials. Uh, we do know that in the U.S. the president has the authority to declassify any information. Uh, if it is determined ultimately that Mr. Trump took classified material that he that he shouldn't have, that he's uh, held on to it. Uh, couldn't Mr. Trump just claim to have declassified it? Would, would that be enough to end all of this? Uh, I think there's a process through which you have to go to, to declassify it. And of course, uh, one can only do that as the president. The question is whether he did that while he was serving in office. Uh, I don't think it's something that he can wave a wand after the fact and say these documents are all okay if he didn't go through the procedures that establishes declassification prior to his departure from office, then I don't think he's going to be able to make that claim. Julie, I saw you nodding along to what Henry was saying. Did you want to jump in? Oh, well, just to to agree with that, right, that, uh, you know, while in office, the president can can declassify, but afterwards they cannot. And so it's unclear what the status of those documents uh, would be. And, you know, it's important to know back in the spring uh, with kind of the first uh, boxes that were, were taken from Mar-a-Lago or were, uh, were given from Mar-a-Lago, um, you know, there, there were classified documents in there. So we already we know that, that Trump has had some classified materials. But again, um, there's 
that can usually be assuaged through different kinds of negotiations. And the, the worry here is that there's something much more sensitive or uh, much more pertinent to some of the other legal challenges going on. But, um, but I would agree it's complicated because of that presidential uh, power to declassify, if you will. And Julie, from your vantage point, uh, you know, from what you're seeing and, and, and reading and hearing, um, does it look to you like Trump may be in, in real serious legal peril here? Uh, you know, I really think it's too early to say. We just don't have enough information about what was uh, found and what it's going to mean. Um, I would, again, emphasize that uh, in order to bar Trump from running from office again, that would still be a very long way off. Um, I think a criminal proceeding just around having classified documents would be unlikely and would probably be seen as an overreach. If those documents actually related to something very serious, then I could see an actual proceeding uh, moving forward potentially. But again, I think Trump will continue to uh, to leverage this as much as possible through an appeals process, et cetera. And, uh, and really, it will be very difficult legally to mm. keep him from running again. Rena, we only have about a minute left. I'm going to ask you the same question. From your vantage point, do you think that Trump is in real legal trouble here? Well, it depends, uh, you know, really how this whole thing plays out, because there is a Presidential Records Act. And if and if this legal search was fully about classified documents and how they were handled by Trump and really what the FBI knows at this point, then it becomes a question of who's going to enforce the Presidential Records Act for the first time. Uh, th there were there was a former chief of staff. There were other top advisors who warned President Trump while he was in the White House mm -hmm. about that act and his handling of information. Mm -hmm. uh, but it, it's still to this day, nobody has really been punished for violating that act. Are we going to be a country that holds accountable our former elected leaders? That mm -hmm. is the question that I'm willing, I'm, I'm ready and waiting for an answer for. All right. Well, we have run out of time, so we're going to have to leave the conversation there today. Thanks so much to all of our guests, Rena Shah, Henry Olson, and Julie Norman. That's it for the Inside Story podcast. This episode was produced by Mohamed Al-Aishi, Jillian Wolf, Osama Aluni, Fungi Nguyen, and Jimmy Gerahun. Studio sound was by Phil Morrison. The program was edited by Alexander Otasevich, Linda Wynn, and Joe DeFrias. Be sure to subscribe to the Inside Story podcast to catch every episode. Thank you for listening. We'll be back again on Thursday. Thursday.